Hello, family. We are in part three of our three-part series that we've been in for Philippians chapter three, verses 11 through 21. And today, we're going to do some real soul searching, look at our appetites and what truly controls us. It's always good to do self-reflection as we're walking on this journey with our Lord. So grab your Bible as we go verse by verse. Enjoy. Hey family, welcome to God's Word, Transforming Lives. Are you ready to dive deeper into your walk with Christ? Do you desire to learn His Word with a greater understanding that applies to your daily living? Do you feel like you're in a vicious cycle of victory and defeat? My name is Amy, and friend, I was so frustrated with my faith walk for decades. No matter what I did, I could not escape the symptoms that trauma from my childhood left me with. Not only that, I didn't seem to experience any victory that I read about in the Word of God. And even worse, I couldn't see it or experience it in my church life either. It all left me feeling even more confused and more empty. I knew Christ was the way and the truth and the life. And I knew his word was the answer. So finally, one day, I got fed up with living in defeat. And I became determined to find the Jesus of Scripture. I discovered true faith in Christ and had to unlearn much of what I had been taught. With God's word and his spirit, I have been free from anxiety, post-traumatic stress disorder, depression, and suicidal thoughts for almost 15 years. And I have learned a tool set to overcome my past trauma and losses. God's word has transformed my life. If you are ready for truth and transformation, then hop into the slow cooker with me and let's marinate together in God's word. Did you know I have a free sisterhood community of women just like you? Women who love Jesus and they love one another. They too are looking for that deeper walk with Christ and they love learning his word. If you pause right now and click the link below in the show notes, it'll take you right to the Facebook group. We look forward to getting to know you. Okay. All right. So we're going to go on to... Um... I see. Yeah. All right. So we just talked about verse 18 about imitating Paul as he imitates Christ and finding people in your life in whom you can to imitate. Doesn't mean they're perfect. Do not put them up on a pedestal because then God's going to have to knock them down so that they are not somebody that you look that far up to. The only person you really need to be looking up to uh, wholeheartedly is Jesus Christ. And then you are able to be grateful for your spiritual mom and dads, for your elders of your faith and pray for them and keep them in prayer um, and help them um, in whatever they need to continue the work in which they are called to do. But don't put them up on a pedestal because they are equal with you. We are all, we are all equal at the cross. None of us is greater than the other. Some of us have just been walking it out a little bit longer than others. Some of us are just older. We've got the gray hair to prove it. We've got the battle scars and the battle wounds to prove it. And we've been in our word longer and we're more seasoned, but we are by no means on a different level. We are all equal. The body of Christ is equal in salvation. We just have different gifts and different roles and different seasons. And we are here for each other. I need you as much as you need me. We need one another. 
All right. So he's talking about these false teachers and he's weeping for them. And he says, man, they're enemies of the cross. Well, he's not talking about enemies of a piece of wood that he was nailed to. He's talking about the very understanding, the very definition of what it meant for him to be nailed to the cross, the atonement. They are enemies of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They are enemies of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the very uh, fullness of the gospel because they, they're teaching false teachings. They're teaching a false Jesus. They're adding works to salvation. They're um, bringing in new age philosophies and pagan practices. These people are enemies of cross and they need to be noted. You need to know who the enemies of the cross are and you'll know them by their fruit. You'll know them by what they teach and what they say about who Jesus is. The type um, you'll, you'll know them by um, the gospel that they preach. And he goes on to say, and how another way to recognize them is whose end is destruction. Remind you, he's crying as he's writing this. He's saying, this does not bring me, he's not happy about that they're going to be destroyed. He is not happy that there's going to be souls in hell. He's not happy that Judas is there. He's not happy that the Judaizers are going to be there. He's not happy that Nero is going to be there. He's not happy that anybody's going to be there. He's weeping for souls. He is weeping on their behalf that God might save them out of their strong delusion, that God might not only save them and then save their followers. And that should be all of our hearts. Again, I, I get so frustrated with false teachings and false teachers, and my heart breaks for those who are, who are following them. But at the end of the day, I don't want to see anybody in hell, and we need to be praying for their soul. And we also need to be trying to bring truth, if we can, in love to anyone that the Lord will allow us to do that with. But he's saying here, these Judaizers, these Gnostics, their end is destruction. Why? Because their God is their belly. Whose God is their belly. Well, he's not talking about just food here. Though that's the that's the reference he's using, that's the metaphor. It means that their appetites. The appetite is their God. They say that they're following the God of Israel. They say that they're following Jesus. But by the very fact that they want to keep the moon, the new moons, the feasts, the festivals, the Sabbath days, they want to still, you can't eat this and you can't touch that. And you still have to do this ceremonial law. That's their appetite. They're, they're still bound to the earth. They're still bound to trying to work out their own salvation to be that their that their works is what saves them. They're also about money, right? Their, their appetites. They want to be able to have power and money and prestige. That's their appetite. And so that's their God. We need to look at that and say, what is our appetite? What controls us? What do we get up every day and think, I can't wait to go do that. I can't wait to be to be there. I can't wait to have enjoy that. Now, it's not to say that we can't enjoy things, we can't have a good time. Does it control us? See, an appetite is controlling. And that's what he's talking about here. Food. I'm so hungry. I'm controlled. I just I have to eat, I have to eat chocolate every day. I have to eat, you know, fast food every day. I'm so addicted to caffeine and and, and pop. I have to drink, you know, Mountain Dew every single day, several times a day. I have to have a cigarette all the time. Every hour I have to smoke a cigarette. That's, that's a control. That's an appetite. And because it has control over you, it is a God. It's idol. It's idol worship. We have to be real honest about that in our lives. We need to start picking these things, 
out of our lives and going, okay, we need to start taking these things to the altar of God. Because if you listen, it's not smoking a cigarette isn't going to land you in hell. Doesn't mean you're not saved, but we have to be honest. Can you put that cigarette down right now and never pick it up again? And if the answer is no, then it has control over you. Then it's, it's an appetite. It's something that's, that you can't, it's got control over you. You don't have control over it. So it is not good for you. It has become a God. And we just need to be honest with that and repent and say, you know what, Lord, I need to lay this cigarette at your altar because it has control over me. And nothing is to have control over me. Also, think all things are good for me, but not all things are profitable. But nothing will have control over me. Nothing. Because we are controlled by the Holy Spirit of God and he is our God. And so we need to put down anything is going to control over you. You know, if there's, um, you know, I, I, I absolutely love whatever. I mean, it could be anything there's hobbies, you know, I, you know, maybe there's something that's like, um, I'm not, I'm not one for a lot of hobbies. So forgive me. I'm trying to think of like a good hobby golfing. We'll, we'll say golf, golf. If golf is you eat, sleep and breathe golfing, And that's all you can think about and you love it. And it's just, you know, and you spend a lot of money on it. And a lot of the money that God's blessing you with is going to golfing and going to buying the best golf clubs and hanging out the best best golf courses. And and that's where you're spending your time, talent, your treasure. It's a God. And maybe we need to lay it down and say, you know what, God, this has become an obsession. This has become something that's um, actually taken me away from the gospel. You know, I'm not out feeding the poor. I'm not you know, spending time with my brothers and sisters around the word of God and in worship and, and these things, all I think about is golf and that's all I want to do, you know? And then sometimes we'll justify it, right? Well, I bring my, I bring people on the golf course with me and and why we're golfing, I'm telling them about Jesus. Okay. Well, that's just you wanting to add Jesus to your life, but has God called you to go and golf seven days a week? and spend hundreds of thousands of dollars. I don't know. And I'm sorry about picking on the golfers. That's the only hobby I could think of. Um, I don't know why that came to mind because I've never golfed. I don't like golf, but I don't know why golfing came to my mind. Pick your thing. Maybe it's basketball. Maybe it's tennis. Maybe it's uh, um, shopping, gambling. I mean, there's, you know, a whole host of things it could be. Maybe it's, um, you know, going to wineries all the time and tasting all the different wines and you're if I don't know, whatever, that's probably another conversation. The point is, what is your appetites? What controls you? What brings you pleasure? What are the things that you cannot put down today? If God asked you to, you would, you would walk away like the rich young ruler and you'd walk away sad because you just couldn't do it. That's your God. That's where your appetites are. And that's where these false teachers, they have these appetites. Many of them, especially today, you'll see that they are all about money. They are all about, um, uh, traveling the celebrity circuit and speaking. And, and, and they're all about, you know, their jets and their big fancy houses and, and going to all these different countries and they do it in the name of Jesus. But really their God is their belly. Their God is their appetite. That's truly the God, what the appetites that control them. And it says whose glory is their shame. And then, so the things that they're, they're glorying in the very thing that should be causing them shame. The fact that they're taking all this money from poor people, that should be, that should cause them shame, shame on you for doing that, for taking advantage of widows and orphans and, and the elderly and the poor so that you can line your pockets, shame on you. Instead, they glorify and they say, look, look, God must be with us because look at all that he has given me. And it's actually a shame. It's, it's God's judgment. 
on them. And so you'll see that, oh, look, look at my, my garage is full of all this golfing stuff. I have all the latest golfing gear, right? God just continues to provide all this money so I can go buy more golfing gear so I can go on the golf course more. And again, I'm picking on golfing, but think of whatever, maybe something that you have, you know, something that's, uh, you know, you're struggling with. And so, so we can sometimes think, oh, that's, that's God's glory, but it's actually, it should be, we should be ashamed of that. That should bring us to shame and go, wow, God, I have, I have really placed things above you. I have, I have lost sight of what it means to be a Christ follower. I've lost sight of why you saved me and what I'm actually here for. And it's not that I can't go enjoy a game of golf sometimes. Sure, I can. Praise God for common graces. But when it becomes an obsession, when it takes you away from the body of Christ, it takes you away from the calling, away from what we're supposed to be doing, away from the things that which the scriptures tell us that we're to be sold out to, that's when it's become shameful. It says here, They've set their mind on earthly things. This is how you know who the false teachers are, who the false Christians are. They are, they are, they are just running around chasing after their own appetites, chasing after their own desires, their own dreams, their own what makes them feel good. They don't care about what other people are going through, what they think, what what's they don't care about what the word of God says. They've made up a God in their own image that they're happy with. They're glorying in this very thing that should bring them shame. The thing that they should be repenting of, they actually are boasting about, right? We see that today, do we not? People are glorying in their sin. They are boasting about their sin. It is they are ha- they have parades for their sin. And they're like God still loves us. God still God, you know, God we don't we don't have to be born again. We were born this way right? We hear that all the time. That should be your shame. You should be ashamed of committing adultery on your wife, pastor. But no, you glory in the forgiveness of God. Does God forgive? Yeah. But are you disqualified as an elder? Yeah. You can still sit and be a part of the body of Christ, but you are not to be leading the body of Christ. You have disqualified yourself. From that, that's a very high responsibility. I've seen it time in Time and time again, pastors who commit adultery, cheat on their wives, leave their wives for younger women, whatever, and they're still behind the pulpit. And they glory in the forgiveness of God. This should be their shame that they dishonored office of an elder. They are supposed to be above reproach. They are, they are the representations. They are the highest representation here of the church of God and holiness and righteousness and, and what it means to, to be a Christ follower there. We are supposed to be able to imitate them. Paul was an elder. Timothy was an elder. Ephroditus was an elder. Titus was an elder. We should be able to imitate them. We were able to imitate Peter. Doesn't mean they were perfect, but they were above reproach and their minds are just on earthly things, guys. We've got to get our mind off this earth, off of the things of this earth and get ourselves heavenly minded. Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you that you've given me this day. What can I do to serve you in it? You know, hey, take a day of rest, go golfing. Really? Thanks, Lord. I'm going to go golfing today. But how can I glorify you today in that golf, on that golf course? And then how can I make sure it's just not an appetite that controls me? That it's not something I have to do every day or even every week or all the time. So I can just really enjoy the times that I do get to do it, but it's not my God anymore. I'm really busy being about my father's business. 
And then sometimes I get to go golf. See the difference? See the different perspective? For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. See, we're supposed to be focused on our Savior who's returning for us. And where do we want to be found when he does it? What do we want to be found doing? He talks about the the, the evil the evil servant and the blessed servant in, in, in Luke, where Jesus says there's going to be this blessed servant and there's this evil servant. Both of them... One says, I, the Lord has just tarried too long. I'm not even waiting for him anymore. I'm just going to go and live my life the way I want to live it. And when he returns, great, but I'm not really worried about it. And he says, that's a wicked servant. He's, he's so earthly minded. He's all about himself. He's all about filling up his own desires and what he wants in this world. He has forgotten that there's a savior coming back for him. That's going to hold him accountable. And he ends up in hellfire, but the blessed servant did not lose patience, did not take his eyes off of the prize, which is Jesus Christ. And he says, he's coming back for me. And I'm going to be busy sweeping the floors and do cleaning the toilets and washing feet and uh, serving in the food pantries and preaching the gospel and sowing into people's lives and, um, you know, being a part of a local body together in unity and love and in community. I am going to be about my father's business. And so when the Lord returns, he will find the faithful servant and he was entered into eternity. Where's God going to find you? What are you doing? Our citizenship is not here. I praise God that we've been born here and that we have the things that we have and we are so blessed, but what are we doing with the freedom that's been given us? Are we wasting it on ourselves? And trust me when I tell you, I'm talking to myself too. I do not have it all together. I like Paul am not been perfected. I have to remind myself every day too. I have to put my appetites to rest and, to, and, and die to myself every day too. I have to crucify my flesh every day too. I'm with you guys. I haven't somehow arrived. The shiny things of this earth are, are so shiny and they're so distracting. And I find myself, because I am in more of a season of rest right now than I have been in, in the past decade, that because I'm in more of a season of rest, I have to fight even more against the shiny things of Babylon. Because like, well, I guess if I'm not over here working in my food pantry this week and I don't have the, you know, 20 hours that I used to do just doing food pantry, I got this 20 hours free. Well, then maybe I'll go golfing. I don't golf, but you know what I mean? I'll go do this. And so really, you know, being busy and being a servant of God helps us keep our eyes off of Babylon. It really does help. By going and serving and just laying your lives down for others, it it's it's time away from Babylon. And so I'm really excited for when God puts me back out there and serving again uh, on a full time capacity because I I miss that because it is harder to you know keep my eyes focused on Christ and the call and everything when I don't have like these things that I was doing like I was every day. And so I thank you for seasons of rest. And then seasons of work, right? There's a season for everything according to King Solomon and Ecclesiastes, right? And so I'm just in a little season of rest, but I, I'm looking forward to getting back out there. Verse 21, let's finish this up. Who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things. You guys, we are not always going to war with this tent, and these appetites and the sin that still dwells in us and the body of death that we carry around, we are going to get new bodies. We are going to get a new body. We are going to be set free finally once and for all of sin. 
conformed into the image of Jesus Christ once and for all, it will not always be warring. And that's going to be, and that's what it, it what it's all about. And that's what Paul wants us to keep our eyes on. Listen, today is not easy. Right now we're on the road of sanctification. We are not yet perfect, but we are maturing in Christ, growing from glory to glory. But someday, keep our eyes on the someday. Keep your eyes on the prize, on the reward that's coming to you. There's a reward for the righteous who make it till the end. There is a reward waiting for us at the finish line, waiting for you. That prize is eternity with Jesus Christ, crowns to lay at his feet for all, for for everything that you're going through, everything that we're going through has purpose and meaning. It's conforming you into his image. Keep our eyes on Christ, on the heavenly things, the inheritance which awaits us. That's where we find our joy. When we, no matter what's going on around us, we have joy. We can count it all joy because of this glorious salvation that's been given to us. And if you find things that are that are distracting you, that are, you're, you have appetites for, that are, are should be our shame and we're too earthly minded, Repent, confess it, lay it at the altar of God and say, Lord, help me get rid of this stuff so I can be filled up with the things of you. I can be filled up with my gifts and callings for you, right? That we're looking towards the future, that we've counted all is lost the past. Golfing, count it as lost. Count those things as lost because the gain that we have in Christ is so much greater and so much better. I know I went a little longer than normal, but I love Philippians. I love teaching and going through this with you. It's it just it helps me in my walk. I pray it's helping you in your walk. If you need anything, please contact me. I'm always here for you guys. God bless you. Family, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If it has blessed you in any way, would you give me 30 seconds and share it with a friend of yours? One more small little favor, if you would, head over to whatever podcast source you're listening to this on and give me a five-star review. That would be so great. It helps get the episodes out there to other people who may be wanting to learn God's word. Again, don't forget, guys. Until next time, it is a crockpot faith, not a microwave. With God's word, discipleship, and patience, you too will be transformed for his good work. Grace and peace I leave with you until next time.